your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Doing so is free and ensures you never miss another episode. Tonight's podcast is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. For tonight's episode, we have a couple of very special guests joining us from Locked On Canadians. I will be speaking with Scott and Laura from the Locked On Canadians podcast. Be sure to like and follow and subscribe for their podcast as well to get the Habs perspective on this Winnipeg series. Without further ado, let's get into the meat of some of their wonderful questions and open our discussions about what exactly is going on in this series between Winnipeg and Montreal. So here we are. Locked on Canadians and locked on Winnipeg Jets. And we're about to break down the series. But just a note, as you heard in our intro, the entire conversation that we're having is about 90 minutes before the news of whether or not Mark Shifley has been suspended and how long comes out. So the conversation that we're having is going to be about everybody else other than Mark Shifley, (laughs) essentially. Uh, All right. So let's start with uh, Scott, who had a question for Harrison about the Winnipeg depth. My biggest question is because we saw it in the Canadian series with the Leafs that eventually the Canadians found a game, found a strong game from their bottom six with Corey Perry, Eric Stahl, and Yol Armia working great together. And we saw that in game one against Winnipeg and Toronto's depth kind of failed them a little bit because they couldn't get goals from their top line. They couldn't get goals from their bottom lines. Do the Jets have the ability to like counter that sort of depth. We saw their uh, fourth line get beat up a little bit in game one, but is there an option if like their big line of Wheeler Shifley, if he's not suspended and who uh, Kyle Connor, if they, do they have the ability to kind of replace that? Like Toronto didn't, but can the jets, you know, make up that kind of ground if their big line goes cold? Uh, well, I wish I could say yes. Uh, Winnipeg this year, I I think a lot of folks understand that defensively the Jets are bad, but unfortunately for Winnipeg, offensive creation is also at times kind of a challenge. I think what's really funny is like yesterday, um, the only line that I was really impressed with happened to be Connor Shifley Wheeler. And this line usually is, is a huge net drag. Uh, The Jets historically do not get very good on ice results with them. So It is a little bit disconcerting to see all of the other lines really struggling. You know, Pierre-Luc Dubois kind of has, um, I think the expectations upon his shoulders were a lot higher than what he's actually delivered so far. And some of it is is systemic and and certainly an issue with the tactical approach that the Jets use. But I also think he's not really a great fit for this particular lineup and certainly not the way that the Jets want to create. So, you know, if Dubois is not really producing and Stastny's also injured, it's now coming down to like Perot, Cop, and some of these other guys. And I, I think in a normal in a normal situation where you're not really down like three different players at one time, it's not a big deal. 
Winnipeg could probably get through a couple of games. They've gone without Shifley before. Um, certainly Wheeler has played center even. So it's not like the Jets can't sort of hotwire something together. But in terms of like really high-end elite goal-scoring potential, that that's definitely going to be an issue. I think if the Jets are going to be without Shifley, Stastny, any of these other players, it, it may kind of become something where the Jets have to approach this um, from like a more of like a Montreal standpoint, you know, looking for maybe greasier goals down low, trying to create a lot of net front havoc, lots of cross seam movement. That is the kind of thing hallmark of what Montreal has been using recently. I think the Jets would probably have to do something similar. The problem for Winnipeg is a lot of the depth players right now as arranged aren't really working well together. You know, cop Lowry Appleton, that line is not that great. The fourth line is kind of just thrown out there at times. So, yeah, I'm not really feeling super confident. And I look at Montreal's depth in the way that they seem, you know, I'm not a huge Ducharme fan, but relatively speaking, everyone at least seems to buy into the same sort of, I guess, philosophy of how he approaches things. And there's like a lot of energy and a lot of speed and certainly like a very physical and intense forecheck. So, you know, the Jets don't really have the same kind of approach at times. And I think for Winnipeg, maybe getting on the same page and trying to think about a way to be a little bit more engaged physically and looking for those greasier goals might help because right now the skill is just not, not really helping them out much. And I don't want to want them to get dragged into like a really physical series, but by the same token, I think the way that they're trying to play the Habs right now isn't really working out. It blows my mind to hear people compliment the Canadians' offensive creativity after the first four games of the Toronto series where Laura and I sat there and watched them do nothing. And then last on uh when, hold on Tuesday night, Wednesday, Wednesday night, I am all thrown off on my days here. We saw them, you know, continue that. Like you said, that cross seam, that East West style of attack. Uh, Eric Stahl's goal was a perfect uh, chance for that. And I suppose my follow-up question is with how the Canadians seem to just agitate, over and over again, everyone on the Jets, it seems like they were kind of off their game. What do the Jets need to do to kind of refocus after game one now? I think that's a, a very tough question. Um, you know, the Jets are kind of in an odd state. Last year when they faced, I think it was last year, they faced Calgary. They lost Shifley in like the first 10 minutes. He broke his shoulder or whatever. And now he's gotten himself suspended on a really reckless and stupid hit. Um, so Honestly, I, I don't even know where the Jets go from here because they've lost now one of their top blue liners, and it's not really clear for how long that is. I think the biggest loss last night was Dylan DeMello, um, that his absence is going to basically throw everything that the Jets do into chaos because we saw like Morrissey Pullman out there. That pairing is really bad at times. We saw more Stanley Pullman. That pairing is also very overwhelmed. I, I don't really know if the Jets honestly have a clear answer and a path because, you know, they can live without one or two top end forwards. They have guys who can maybe grind out some goals. Appleton actually has under underrated, you know, slot driving skill, uh, an okay release. And then they've got Perot who can, you, you can basically put him anywhere. He'll produce Nikolai Ehlers is Nikolai Ehlers dude just does not seem to quit. Um, but I think the defense is probably my biggest concern. Montreal was kind of having a field day down low. And even if like Montreal in previous games, wasn't really playing very elegant hockey. I mean, at times I was like kind of shocked that they actually scored against Toronto um, against the jets. It may not matter. They might not have to do that much. Cause like Winnipeg, 
you apply a little bit of pressure and they kind of fold like a, a house of cards. So I think Winnipeg needs to find some way to sort of stabilize the situation and gain more control of the puck. Certainly um, they want to hit back on counters, I'm sure. But, you know, I, I think it's going to be a really weird situation because without DeMello and with how the Jets tend to split up their defensive pairings, I'm not really feeling like there's a single adjustment that they're going to be able to make other than being more offensively aggressive and trying to clear the defensive zone a little bit more quickly and hopefully not get caught out on them on like weird two-on-ones. They kept giving them up to Montreal the other night, so not great. In just a moment, we will further dive into Winnipeg's defensive problems and what it might mean for the rest of the series. But before we get ahead of ourselves, I wanted to tell you a little bit about why rockauto.com should be the only place you do your auto part buying. When it comes to doing auto part shopping, it's really hard to know what you're looking for. And even if you do and you're very experienced, you might not know if you're actually overpaying for the product you could get somewhere else at a much better price. If you're looking to save time and money, look no further than rockauto.com. They're a family-run business with over 20 years of experience in the automotive industry. Their easy-to-use, intuitive website allows you to sort by make, year, and model of your vehicle, and that's at price range filters, so you always get the parts that you need at the prices you want. Whether you need a new engine control module or a floor mat replacement, rockauto.com is sure to have what you need in stock with their very extensive catalog. And best of all, you could save anywhere from 20, 30, even 50% off retail brick-and-mortar in-store pricing, so why shop anywhere else when rockauto.com has the best selection and prices in the industry? When you place your order, be sure to write locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today and start saving money. Stonks, memes, rocket ships, day trading, a lot of this all sounds really fun and maybe you're actually familiar with at least some of it. For a lot of us though, it sounds like a lot of nonsense. If you want to sift through the noise and better understand how to truly grow your long-term wealth, you should start a Wealthfront investment account today. Investing can be complicated. Whether you're a beginner or you've been investing for years, Wealthfront helps make it easy. They have the right tools for every portfolio. Wealthfront can create a portfolio of globally diversified, low-cost index funds personalized just for you in minutes. There's no manual trading, no picking stocks, no anxiously watching the stock market every day. They automatically handle all the investing based on preferences you control. Wealthfront is trusted with over $20 billion of assets, and you can get your first $5,000 managed for free by going to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnNHL. All you need is $500 to get started. Grow your wealth the easy way and let Wealthfront do the work for you. To get your first $5,000 managed for free for life, go to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnNHL. That's W-E-A-L-T-H-F-R-O-N-T dot com slash LockedOnNHL to start growing your savings. Go to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnNHL and get started today. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are still discussing Montreal versus Winnipeg, and we have discussed some of the early tactical implications. Now it's time to talk about the defensive impacts because they've had a pretty massive influence on this series. Uh, I, I feel like bef- coming into this series, and it might not have felt that way during the regular season. Personally, I think the Canadians were underperforming a lot. Uh, and, and, you know, there's a lot of that going going on. Most people seem to think that these teams are similarly built in that they both have good goaltending and they both have some good forwards up front. And then they have a defense that's basically hopeless. And I disagree with that, but I think uh, one of the main things that the Canadians were able to do over the course of uh, the series against Toronto was adjust and for whatever reason all of the complaints that we had not all of them most of them I mean there's still a couple of uh situations where playing like the lefty on the wrong side caused some turnovers or some uh Toronto breakaways or whatever I feel like the way that Montreal was able to play really well against Winnipeg in game one specifically 
was I saw a lot more carrying in of the puck. I saw a lot more uh, well thought out play coming up the ice. And that was something that the Canadians struggled to do a lot. And I feel like against Winnipeg, the defense joined in on the offense. And, and that's kind of uh, encouraging for us to see from the Habs fan side is that you know, that that's kind of how you're going to get around. Uh, that's kind of not, not how you're going to get around. That's kind of how you're going to put up the goals, right? Like the defense was more aggressive on, on the, on the offense uh, side of things. And I'm curious as to whether or not that assessment seems right to you is that, you know, the defense is just kind of like, you know, hope for the best and hope the forwards get it before the other team does. Yeah, I think Winnipeg has an odd strategy at times. You know, Montreal, very committed to blocking the slot and clogging it, which the Jets never seem to understand how to counter. So um, in that respect, you know, it's not really elegant, and I don't know that it's it's a super sound strategy in some areas. But, you know, Montreal seems to understand that their foot speed on the back end is pretty bad. Winnipeg is almost custom designed to take advantage of that. But unfortunately for the Jets, they haven't really found a way to actually harness that ability Certainly, you know, their in-zone offensive possession can be really good. And at times they have the kind of puck movement and rapid movement, especially on the power play that cuts apart a team like the Habs. But, you know, I I just don't really understand why this team looked so slow. I get that they were rested and certainly going to be rusty, but Montreal has just come off a pretty brutal series against the Leafs. You know, you can't come out of the gate looking like you're the team that's basically been battered and bruised. Winnipeg was at full strength coming into the night. And while they can't really do much about DeMello going down almost immediately, the rest of the team doesn't really have a great excuse. Um, And so like I look at the defensive structure and the way that everyone just seemingly lost their assignments on almost every single counter and just looked really confused. It's the sort of thing that we're used to with the Jets. Uh, They play like a man's own scheme. And I think that that often really overcomplicates things for the Jets. Oftentimes they just sort of skate to an area without really making the read itself. So you know, I think Montreal is kind of a good counter for that because they love creating havoc, you know, a lot of physicality, maybe some weird angle shots that kind of catch either Hellebuck or the defenders off guard. And these are the sorts of things that give the Jets a lot of fits. And this sort of style was what I was concerned about when Julian was still coach. I felt like the Jets this season were going to have a really nightmarish time against the Habs. Didn't really happen as much, but I felt like Montreal under Julian still had a pretty good approach, um, especially against the Jets. It didn't always pan out in terms of the scoreline, but if if Montreal had maybe higher end goal scoring, I, I don't think it would have been quite as one-sided as the series record looks. So, you know, I, I don't know if the Jets really have much of a defensive option other than, again, hoping and praying like you've men- mentioned before. <laughs> I, I do say, and I get into a lot of trouble for this, to be honest. I have said multiple times this season is that I miss Claude Julien uh, simply because I knew what he was doing. I could understand what his system was. I could understand what his tactics were. And I think, you know, obviously Dominique Ducharme hasn't had a lot of time. And I have been impressed with the speed at which he's adjusted in, in the playoffs. But in general, if you ask me, like, what is this team's philosophy, identity, strategy, system, I could not give you a complete and confident answer. And I think that that for me has been, uh, it's been really unpredictable for this, uh, for this uh, playoff run. And before the game started against, against the jets, I truly felt that, you know, the emotion of that first, that first round is over for fans. You know, they, they did, 
what every Canadian fan wanted them to do. And at this point, everything else is just gravy. But going into the Winnipeg series, I truly didn't know. I was like, is this going to be a run and gun series? Is this going to be a tight checking, uh, you know, old fashioned kind of hockey thing? I feel like the teams are pretty well matched. Well, not now with all the injuries and all of that, but I felt like the team was pretty well matched. I feel like there's going to be a lot of good goaltending that we were going to see on both sides. And it was going to be really, really exciting. But I, I, at this point, I'm looking at it and I'm looking at all the players who aren't playing for Winnipeg. And also the, the loss of Jake Evans. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Jake Evans is like, you know, the superstar of this team. Absolutely not. But he's very, very important, particularly on, you know, playing defensively. And I, I still... I'm sitting here after that one game and I I'm still not confident if you ask me which team is going to be able to score more, which team is going to be able to control the game, which team is going to be able to impose their system on the other team. I can't confidently tell you that it's Montreal, but from what you're saying, I feel like that's kind of the expectation, right? Like at this point, especially with the loss of DeMello, like Montreal is probably going to be able to dictate the tone and the style of the play from now on. Yeah, I think the Jets are kind of in, in serious trouble. Uh, you know, certainly more trouble than the Habs are. Montreal is kind of playing with house money right now. I, I think that they have pressure to perform, obviously, but the Jets were the favorites coming into the series by a slight margin. And now that's basically been blown to smithereens. So Winnipeg, I don't really know what they're going to do. I don't really know if they even have a plan. Paul Maurice, when he has to improvise, you either get one of two things. You get, him figuring out like the 2017, 2018 lineup, basically all due to injuries, or you get him just line blundering it and hoping for the best. I think we're going to get the latter. And if that's the case, yeah, the jets are probably not surviving like even beyond six games. So I don't think that this series is going to be great for the jets. Shifley being out, it's going to be a problem. DeMello outs basically a, a critical loss. I honestly think Montreal, they don't even have to control the games. They basically just have to survive whatever counters the Jets create and avoid taking as many penalties as possible, and they will probably be through. And that's the thing, because I've been very scared to be confident, even when the Canadians came back to tie that that third game against Toronto. And honestly, the thing about the playoffs is that even if one team is better or has, you know, the better players in the lineup or is able to ice due to injury or whatever, better, like a better overall depth of a system or a, sorry, a, a roster. It's still the playoffs. And I feel like the biggest component, no matter who you are, and we just saw that is luck. It's absolutely luck. So right now I don't want to be too confident about the Montreal Canadiens chances, but I do think that as Habs fans, assuming this series doesn't devolve into an injury derby, I feel like we're going to enjoy as have sense. We're going to enjoy watching the series in a way that um, maybe wasn't, we weren't allowed, not allowed. We didn't, we weren't able to allow ourselves to enjoy in the first round. Uh, but I'm curious, Harrison, because we've talked a lot about the jets and how they play and what Montreal is going to be able to do. Did you have anything that you wanted to ask us about how Montreal does things? Yeah, I think uh, one of the biggest things is, you know, the adjustments that they've made between now and Toronto definitely seem tailor-made to kind of piss off the Jets. You know, Perry's been mixing it up. You've seen a lot of between-the-whistles stuff. You know, it, what adjustments, I guess, have you noticed that have seemed particularly effective? I think from my perspective, the really physical and aggressive forecheck has been really effective. 
the Jets aren't really passing out from the back, which they tended to do a lot against a lot of other teams. They would pass across their own defensive zone slot, which immediately gets turned over half the time. Um, but now the Jets aren't doing that as much. And so I'm curious to know what you thought about Montreal's adjustments to how the Jets play. And if you feel like it's it's been pretty good at shutting down Winnipeg's counters. The Jets love creating off the rush. They're doing it a bit less this series, at least from my perspective. Curious to know if Habs fans are seeing the same thing. I, I think the biggest thing that Lauren myself noticed in the Toronto series, which leads into this, is they when they attacked through the neutral zone, they weren't attacking in a straight line, which causes teams to have to, you know, think a little bit more and it caused them to back up and default to giving the offensive zone, which allows the Canadians to carry in a lot e- with uh, bigger ease I th- or better ease, I think, in that regard. And then against Toronto, they just started clogging every single lane that they could see with a stick that there were no clean looks for Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. And I know that Kyle Connor scored last night, but no one was stopping that shot with an extra attacker and Nikolai Ehlers pass to him was outstanding, but they do so much to just clog up those lanes where people attack with speed and slow it down to a level that their defense is more comfortable playing at because Shea Weber is not fleet of foot. Joel Edmondson is not fleet of foot. Um, Ben Sherratt is not fleet of foot. They can more than easily carry the puck out when they want to, but first they like to slow the game down and then figure out what they want to do. And Winnipeg, like Toronto did in game one, gave Montreal a lot of space to attack with speed out of the offensive zone, those stretch passes. And when you have someone like Josh Anderson on your team, I know he didn't get on the score sheet, but if Winnipeg is going to allow them those opportunities – uh, the Canadians defense is going to take him every single time. Shea Weber isn't a finesse passer, but he knows how to fire a seam pass uh, out of his own end into a streaking player. If he needs to, it, it's uh, it, it's quite a difference from when Toronto adjusted. And then when Montreal finally adjusted uh, Toronto, couldn't keep up at that point. It's a muck and grind slow down. And the Canadians defense thrives on that. They're, physical they're nasty and if you let them set up in the offensive zone too they're still going to make your life absolutely miserable thus far we've talked a lot about some of the stylistic and certainly tactical adjustments that both sides have made in just a little bit we will talk about some really closing thoughts in this series what we might expect coming up in the uh, the next game or two and if either of us canadians or jets fans actually has faith in their respective teams before then i wanted to tell you a little bit about why betonline.ag needs to be your one-stop shop for all your online betting needs When it comes to the wild, wild west of online betting, you need to know that there's a safe, reliable name that you can trust every single time. That's why you should put your faith in BetOnline. They're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Baseball and hockey season are in full swing, and you can track all the action at BetOnline.ag. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including the MLB, NBA, NHL, UFC, MMA, international football, and every sport in between. No matter your interests, BetOnline has your back. Before the next pitch or face-off, head on over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great news, sign up for bonuses, and enter all the contests your heart desires. Stop sitting on the sidelines and join all of your favorite teams as they begin their quests for playoff glory. Win as they win. To get started, go to BetOnline.ag on your laptop or mobile device and register for a free account. When you do, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive a matched 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON at registration for a matched 50% welcome bonus when you make your very first deposit at BetOnline. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. 
Welcome back to the special crossover episode between the Locked On Winnipeg Jets and Locked On Canadians podcasts. We are joined by Scott and Laura to get some final thoughts on Winnipeg versus Montreal. Maybe some thoughts on who might win, who we really trust, and who we don't really think is going to make it very far. I also think that we've forgotten to kind of um, factor what well, we, we haven't forgotten. We don't know yet because so far Dominique Ducharme said that playing Romanov is on the table. I feel like Romanov adds a lot to the speed of the defense and changes things up in that way. And so I'm actually kind of curious to see how he fits into the lineup, because as you said, like the, what they've done is they've gone the, like, like the muck and grind, they kind of choke you in your own, in, in their end and, um, and are able to kind of just keep the puck away from the goalie in that way. And Romanov does not play that way. He's a fast puck moving. Yeah. He's, he's physical, but that's not his game. His game is speed and skill. I'm very, very curious as to how the chemistry works out if Dominique Ducharme does decide to play. And we wanted him to play from uh, the first night of the playoffs because he's fast. And we thought the only way that Montreal was going to be able to beat Toronto was try to win some foot races. But that didn't happen and they won anyway. So I'm, I'm very, very curious as to how it changes the dynamic and if, if, if it causes, uh, I guess, problems, if it causes negative readjustments with him in the lineup. I don't know. Am I making sense? I feel like I'm just talking. (laughs) No, that makes sense because Alexander Romanov's style is so different from the person he's replacing. Eric Gustafson is something, but Romanov is this controlled physical force. And I feel like it's another thing for the Jets to adjust to. And like Harrison said, they already had trouble contending with Montreal in game one. You're going to add someone who plays with more pace, who's aggressive and physical and it all just kind of rolls into there. It creates a new uh, difficulty for the Jets to kind of look at going into game two now. Yeah, Montreal hasn't even put out Thomas Tatar. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, that's one of their most creative attackers at times. And I, I look at that team and the adjustments and changes that they could make to the lineup. Let's just say I'm not feeling great about the Jets. I mean, that's fair. Laura and I didn't feel great about the Habs even through game seven. We we still can't believe that it actually happened. I don't think uh, through most of the series, Laura and I were uh, not the most confident. I, I, I do think there is a lot still to happen in this series because the Jets offense doesn't stay quiet for long, I think. And Connor Hellebuck is it, Connor Hellebuck, to be quite honest. Yeah, he cannot. He can steal you a series. He's going to have to do it again because I think Winnipeg is kind of kind of messing the bed a little bit on this one. I think my biggest fear is that obviously we don't know the suspension news when we're talking about this, but I think it's a fair assumption that at some point, unless Montreal sweeps and it's a three game suspension, it's a fair assumption that Mark Scheifele is coming back into the lineup. And my biggest fear is that it goes from hockey games to just like like this personal nightly brawl and I don't want that I think that doesn't favor anybody in this series but it particularly doesn't favor Montreal because some of their best players or people who have been their best players throughout the playoffs are also the kind of players that let's face it have the tendency to sometimes be dirty and I don't want that like I don't I don't I don't want anybody on Winnipeg getting injured I don't want people chasing Mark Shifley around the ice I don't 
I like, I literally, I don't want that. I don't want anybody getting hurt and I don't want anybody getting suspended. And so that's, that's one of my biggest concerns is that it doesn't matter what we're talking about right now and the adjustments or the defensive style or anything like that. It's going to turn into a circus. That's my biggest fear. Yeah. No one wins if that happens. (laughs) Exactly. That's it. Like somebody's going to win the series, but everybody's going to lose. Scott, any parting thoughts? Uh, for the love of God, don't let this turn into a clown show. I'm all for like chippiness and feistiness because it's the playoffs. Like that, that's part of what it is. You know, I, I think this ruling is going to, it's not going to be what either side wants. And I, I do have a lot of uh, praise for Jets fans that I've dealt with in the last 24 hours. It's been a very level headed fair discussion it's people from outside the series that have been kind of strange there i'm just hoping that one jake evans can recover fine and that we're gonna get the code fight i we were all aware of it and that should be the end of it because montreal was kind of under their skin already you don't need to do anything more that was game one and that's where we were at there's no need to take it any further than that jeff petrie said it best is that the best revenge is winning the series and he's a hundred percent right. I, I just want fun hockey. I, the game one was fun. There was no stress in it and everything was great until the end of it. When Mark Scheifele kind of ruined all that with his hit. Other than that, like it's the most fun I've had watching a hockey game. Game three nearly or game seven nearly killed me against Toronto because of everything involved in that. But I, I just want to have fun watching this team play. Honestly. Yeah, I want I want the fun to come back into the series because up until, you know, minute almost the last minute, I guess it was what was it 59 seconds in or 50 sorry, 59 seconds to go or 56 seconds to go whenever the hit happened. Literally up until that point, I thought it could be anybody's game and I thought that it was going to be fun. It was going to be like, you know, I thought we were going to be seeing 6-5 score lines every night. And I'm like, I would much rather that I would much rather the run and gun and the, and the stress and excitement of is the, is the team going to like best your team as opposed to just, I don't know, just what did you call it? A clown show? A, a clown show. There are a lot of other words I want to use, but this is a family show after all. So <laughs> I, yeah, I'm we're trying to be polite. professional. Yeah. I, I, I will save it for locker room tonight. That's what I will do. <laughs> How about you, Harrison? Any parting thoughts? <sighs> well, it's going to be a thing. I, you know, I, I was looking forward to the series and in like one game, everything just kind of went to poo. Um, <laughs> I think that's probably the best way I can describe it. It's just all that happiness and good vibes of sweeping Edmonton and then going, you know, as a, you know, these two scrappy underdog teams, it's like, well, great. Mark Shifley's killed somebody. The jets are now down to like four defenders. None of them are NHL caliber. I mean, except for Neil Pionk. I love Pionk, but um, yeah, I just, I don't even know what to expect anymore. This series feels like Calgary last year. I don't have those, those positive warm fuzzies. I just don't want anyone to like decapitate each other next, next game or the games after try and keep it as clean as possible. No one needs to see um, what was it? Boston and Washington again. So that would be my hope. That keep would be mine too. Keep it fun. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and, and so hopefully we all enjoy 
the game tonight and nobody gets injured or there are no fights I, again it's it's so hard to say this because you know we don't know what the what the uh decision of the department of player safety is and rest assured if it's something that we don't like we will be ranting about it on our next episode which is going to be the game recap for the friday night game uh in the meantime thank you so much for harris to harrison for joining us and doing this crossover with us thanks for having me on appreciate it Folks, that wraps up our extended coverage on tonight's special episode. Be sure to like and follow and subscribe to Locked On Montreal Canadiens on your favorite podcasting platform of choice so you stay up to date on the Montreal perspective on this crazy, crazy series. In addition, there is one more podcast I highly recommend you check out. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your favorite shows. And as always, thanks for listening. Have a great night and go Jets go.